Jack, I think I know why I'm grumpy. Ian, why are you grumpy? Well, welcome back, by the way. Thanks. Uh, so, I live with a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay. Not, enough said. No, I'm kidding. And I love her. She's yeah. adorbs. And, uh-huh. like, so, uh, I've never had an experience with kids before. Like, my sister had kids, but I was too young. Yeah. And then as teenagers, it's just kind of different. Like, you just, you know, you just kind of treat them like people. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, so, I moved in here. Nigel had a baby. She was less than a year old. And I remember it was her brother's birthday. And mm-hmm. she was kind of crawling around on the wrapping paper. So, I just picked her up and I put her in my armpit. And she just did this. And sat there with me for an hour. Like a little baby. And I looked over at her parents and they were both like, like, what the hell's going on? So uh, ever since then, I just go upstairs and Scarlet is her name. And she'll be running Mm -hmm. around. And I'll just sit down, and she'll like start running laps around me. So I just put my hand up, so she high fives me every time she runs by. Or I'm just like, "Hey, what's up?" She's like, "Hey," and then we just talk. She doesn't know very many words, so I finally met yeah. someone on my level. <laughs> and then, uh, but today, so and the that's the, the least accurate thing you've ever said. The joke anyway. that we've been been doing is that I'm her Bing Bong. What what, what uh, is that? Have you seen Inside the Pixar movie Inside? No, I haven't. All right, you have. I, we I need to put that on the list. Film. We're putting okay. that on the list of shame. I haven't seen a Pixar film since like A Bug's Life. Maybe that's a lot. Oh no, wait! I I saw Toy Story three. Have you seen no, Wally? No, two. No. Oh, I think I've seen bits of Wally. All right. Well, we'll touch base on that afterwards. <laughs> okay. But anyway, the uh, inside is brilliant. It's a um, it's a movie about the different personalities inside of this little kid's head and how they all sort of get along with each other. And they have to go on an adventure through her personality. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they find her childhood friend, Bing Bong. Um, and Bing Bong, well, I can't spoil anything, but Bing Bong plays a pivotal role in part of the story. But when I moved in, it was kind of funny because I was talking to Nigel and... Um, I was like, you know what's weird? Because she and I have bonded. And I was like, you know what's weird? If I just move out now, in like 10 years, we can pretend I never lived here. And you can just be like, yeah, Scarlett, you had this like imaginary friend called <laughs> Ian that you played with all the time. So like we joke that I'm her imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. So um, she kind of beats up her older brother a little bit. And this morning I woke up and her older, older brother. Yeah, oh. he's like five. And... Uh, okay. This morning I woke up and I heard just yelling from the kitchen, Stop it! Go away, Scarlet! Go away! Because she's just relentless. Any attention is good attention. She's like the cat. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Um, so I took her to the park right before dinner and she fell in a puddle immediately and started yeah. crying and I picked her up and I was like, well, do you want to go home or do you want to go to the park? And she stopped crying instantly and was like, I want to go to the park! And I was like, okay. So we go to the park and we're swinging. And she starts saying, go away. And I was like, fine. I will go away. And so I just would walk to the other side of the park. And she would just stare at me. 
But she needs to know that the thing that she says has a consequence. You know, I never took my eyes off her. But, like, she can't just use that phrase. She needs to know what the phrase was. But as Bing Bong, I have to say, Bing Bong's just going to fuck off and go to the other side of the park by himself. (laughs) I think that's why I'm grumpy. Because a two-year-old told me to go away. And I did. That's uh, why I've been grumpy since we started talking. Okay. I may have problems, yeah. Oh, the other thing, too, that was weird was... I mean, she's two years old, right? She's right, two. Yeah, yeah that's a, why, like, you shouldn't take that to heart. There was this very two. nice mother with her uh, child. Mm-hmm. And so Scarlett's telling me to go away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, fine. I will go away. And then Scarlett said, come back. And I said, okay, come back. And then she told me to go away again. And then she told me to come back. And so I'm pushing mm-hmm. her. And those other mothers right there. And Scarlett's like, I want to kiss you. And I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> we're just, we're, we'll just keep swinging. I want to kiss yeah. you. I was like, no. Uh, we'll, we'll just keep swinging. Everything's fine. Like, I have... I'm, she's two, so I have no yeah. experience with a child. She's not my right. child, so it's like it's very sweet and all that. But I'm just like, mm-hmm. tell me to go away, tell me to kiss me, like just we're going home to your parents. And then I took her home, and her mom's like, hey, yeah, she does that to me all the time. I was like, oh okay. I mean, so this is this is all kind of it, it, it's fairly new for you, right? Yes. All right, because um. My sisters, well, my sisters have got kids. I'm, I'm, I'm an uncle. Like I don't know, probably like nine, ten times over or something. There's, there's a lot of them. Um, and yeah, I, I, I let that very early on. It's just kids. It's a different caliber. Like you just, yeah. you just smile and nod half, half of the time. And like, if a child hand, hands you their, their, their toy phone, you answer it and say hi. You, you just go with well, it. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, like I'm do, I think I'm doing all right with that with her. It's just like we're friends. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while when I'm having a bad day here, I go upstairs and Scarlett's there and I just pick her up and walk her around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have no damage yet. You're pristine. Uh, and it's nice. You know, we're like... We're friends. She's also two, so you know, telling me to my go away is about, my favorite thing about kids. Um, is just they come out with the most random shit. Yeah. I remember one one time years and years and years ago, um, when I was with my ex girl girlfriend, she had a child from a previous relationship, a two year old, and there was uh one day I, I was in hot hospital and I was like really really sick and I and I was in pain and stuff and my ex was there with her her uh, kid. And we were there for, for freaking hours and hours and hours. And it was a miserable situation. And like at one point, the, the conversation kind of died down. I'm, I'm laying there kind of out, out of it on pain painkillers. That's quiet. And all of a sudden, my ex's kid is like, what the hell? What the fucking hell is this? And we just lo- looked at each other like, did she really just what? And it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, it's. It was funny because she she was basically saying what what we were thinking, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I I just kids they're so they're they're innocent and 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 funny, <laughs> but they also have no decorum what whatsoever. Well, I, if I I don't have great decorum either, but the uh uh 
I mean, case in part, case in point, I came into the call with you grumpy, and the way I, I cheered myself up was by mooning you before we started doing this. <laughs> Which is like that's never happened before, and uh, I felt we're good. now we've now reached a level. But we can't, like, there's no going back from this. You remember when you started sending me messages on Facebook, like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I love your videos. Did you ever think that someday that would lead to you seeing my butt? (laughs) No, I can't say I did. And Well, to be honest, it's not something I ever really thought about. (laughs) Um, I I can't Mm. say, like, yeah, I can't really say either way, but I mean... It's a thing that just happened. And it's it's a uh, it's a good life. Hello, everyone. By the way, <laughs> greetings, friends. Welcome to the podcasts podcast podcast of the nerds. Uh, He's my Jack. name is Jack. Yes, and, and, I, and that's Ian. And I'm he's, Ian. He's, he's a lovely man. Jack is good to be back with you. Welcome back. It's good to have you it, back, man. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I thought you did a great job uh, last week. Sans Martin. Still, don't ever leave, leave me again. Okay? <laughs> I was re- Speaking of like... Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, I was just thinking about how uh, me being surly over a two-year-old telling me to go away it kind of mirrors Bing Bong's story in the inside. Uh, huh. Yeah. Anyway, what are we doing today? Uh, today on the podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about what we've been been up to, uh, both Ian and I. Um, and then we will be doing another uh, segment of One Perfect Scene. And this week we're going to be look, looking at a scene from a film called Her, one of my per- personal fa- favorites. And then, of course, we're going to f- finish up with the fanfic reading Here Is Gone by Terry Boda, Chapter 31. Yes. So, Jack, what do you think of uh, doing it solo? You know, it was it was uh, it was it was good. It it, it was good, but it was so stressful because like (laughs) the second you left, it's all I could think about, and like I honestly had this feeling of like. Oh my god, Ian! Ian's gonna come back, and I'm gonna be like, "Sorry, man, I didn't do it." Um, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I spent a, a few good, good, like like a few couple of days work, working on the the uh, script, and then once it was done, like the the script album's like, oh, thank god. Then and then it was like ten o'clock at night. And I'm like, screw it. I'm I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna film. Did you edit I till four in the morning or something like that? Five, five, five yeah. in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I filmed it and then I was really buzzed and I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm gonna be able to sleep now. So I I just sat here and got it done and I went to bed at five a.m. Well, uh, Lonnie and I listened to it while we were on a bit of a road trip and it was yeah. like two proud parents. As soon as you started talking, like, <gasps> and she like grabbed my wrist, and I was like, "I know he's doing it. He's doing." It, it was like our, it was like our little fella was getting up to bat, and yeah. swinging at the, you know. Uh, yeah. We thought you did a great job. The um, thanks. Uh, you and I have talked about it a little bit, but the um, the thing that's interesting, there were a few things that were interesting to me. First of all, um, I think it's important that you find your own voice i'm definitely kind of generally peppy and talk a little fast and 
you know, I'm sort of pacey or whatever, unless I'm telling mm-hmm. a story. Um, and I don't think you need to be that. I think you need to be right. Jack. Yeah, you know. we're two different pe- people, and we're coming together to do this, but we've got different voices. And Yeah, and when yeah. I started doing the episode guides, I didn't know what my voice was, and I was kind of copying mm-hmm. the stuff that I liked, and then somewhere right. along the way kind of found my own sort of thing. Um, and the first thing that um, your recording most reminded me of was NPR. It sounded like... Um, national public radio like yeah you know the today on national public radio we're going to be having a and i have to tell you mm-hmm. i love npr i love oh, I, I love that like just kind of someone sitting across from you in a in front of a fire yeah. just having a nice conversation and a glass of wine that's kind of what i was going for but um i think what what that stems from though is I was trying to slow it down for uh, several reasons. Firstly, um, my stutter, which I talked about. um, um, I I thought if I speak a little slower, it'll come out less. Um, But also, I... I thought the script was was really short, so I was I I was dragging my feet trying to get through it as slow as po- possible, and I ended up being like an hour and a half. I'm like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, it's always um, longer than than we think it's going to be. I always, I mean, because it, it feels like forty five minutes, and then we look, and we, you know, we've had three yeah. hour podcasts yeah. Uh, yeah. before, which, yeah. which is and bizarre. and they never feel like three hours. No. Um, um, yeah. Well, I thought you did a great job. Uh, I We've talked off uh, the call about, um, you know, suggestions. I loved your segment on... Um, your intro was great. We were listening to it, so I couldn't... I had no idea what the... You were like, and oh, here's gag. Ian. <laughs> so I had to... Uh, uh, but but uh, I turned to line and I went, he's doing a bit. And I was so <laughs> proud. <laughs> I knew I wanted to uh, have some sort of gag in there, but but the i the the, the idea um, the idea did didn't come until um, that uh, p- picture was provided by a friend of mine, Liv, mm-hmm. and as soon as she sent it to me, I was like, oh, that's perfect, and and the idea came came to, to me, and I thought it was gonna Almost be cute. kind of cheesy, and and it was, but I think it was meant to be. Yeah, cheesy, but cheesy but... is not a bad thing. Cheesy's not. Yeah, yeah uh, cheesy is fun. Um, and I loved your outro. The outro was great. The um, Your section on insecurities and so forth, I mean, without diving into it specifically, mm-hmm. made me think about, you talked about how I, when we have done this, both before mm-hmm. and after, you described as that I talk you down from the ledge and you sort of deal yeah. with insecurities and self-hatred and so forth. Yeah. And I started thinking about a story um, that I hadn't for quite a while. The... Uh, there's a mother. This is a story by Dr. Murray Banks. There's a mother with um, two little boys. And mm-hmm. one of the boys is just always positive and always um, happy about everything. And uh, the other boy is just sour. Sour and negative. And so she's got this little optimist and this little pessimist. And she takes him to the doctor and she says, Doctor, I love my boys, but balance them out a little 
you know, like, uh, uh, can't we have a little bit, uh, a little less positivity and a little less negativity? And the doctor said, all right, here's what you do. He says, take that little uh, pessimist of yours, take him home, put him in a room, and give him all the toys he wants, just a big box of every shiny, beautiful toy he's ever wanted. And take that little uh, optimist of yours and put him in the other room with a big box of manure. And he said, you know, uh, and leave him in there for a little while and see what happens. So the mother goes home and... um, she looks in through the window of the the pessimist's room, and the pessimist is just sitting there in front of the box of toys and has not taken any of them out. And he says, what a bunch of junk. I bet the other boy in the other room has better toys. These suck. And she goes into the, uh, she goes to the other room, and she looks in the window of the little optimist, and there's the little optimist digging through the manure. And the little optimist says, you can't fool me! Where there's manure, there must be a pony. <laughs> I love that. I love that story. But for some yeah. reason, that story kept... I, I kept thinking of that story as I really? was listening to your uh, bit about self-hatred and self-deprecation mm-hmm. and so forth. And I think it was in reference to... Um, you know, when you talked about how we've had conversations about... Like, I deal with... You know I deal with self-hatred and um, all of that. And part of the channel, part of making things, part of having an audience and sort of putting things out there. And, you know, uh, I had a a guy show up. uh, I've been edit streaming for the past two days. And yesterday, uh, a guy showed up to the edit stream and said, uh, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I love your voice. Your videos, though, are pretty meh. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In the edit stream with like eighty people chatting, and I just there's oh, a bitch is lucky I wasn't there. There's so a um, there's a one of my favorite jokes by Ricky Gervais is the uh, that's the person who sees a sign for guitar lessons and tears the sign down, goes to the person's house, knocks on the door, says, "But I don't want guitar lessons." <laughs> you know, like yeah. All right, dude, go away. But in my sort of confronting my own inner voices, the the stir mm-hmm. of my own inner voices, um, the thing that I've been learning is that it's a mistake to engage with them at a certain level. It's a mistake for me. Like, first of all, there's no amount of work I'm going to do that is going to make me like myself. There's right, no amount right. of videos. There's no amount of scripts. There's no amount of content I'm going to create that will be enough to throw into the void in my heart that uh, kicks my ass on a daily basis, right? Right. And I think I experienced that because, like, like I was buzzed after I had finished filming and and I edited it and then I went to bed and then I woke up the, the next day. I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? Oh, no, that was terrible. And I just had this, like, sense of just... I don't know, dread, I guess. It, it didn't yeah. last, but yeah. it, it was there. Yeah, like there's an ebb and a flow um, to all of it. So like mm-hmm. that I've learned through practice. And all I'm saying is that as your friend mm-hmm. and and someone who you work with and we do this, it's just kind of changed my approach to when you sort of express things that I've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But once you like, if I if I write a script for the channel, and I think to myself, this is crap, I don't have anything to say, this video is not as good as the last one, like, 25% of those things may actually be true. The last video was really good. This one may not be as good as that one. And, right, you yeah. know, uh, uh, but once I start engaging with the self-hatred and saying, well, people enjoy my work, or... Um, I've made so many videos or people keep coming back or whatever. It actually validates the self-hatred. It right, makes yeah. that self-hatred sticky because it proves that it needs to be disproved. Yeah. Like, and well, like, there must be some truth to it that is worth arguing with. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's really hard to let go of, um, mistakes and imperfections. Cause like, um, for example, um, I, when I talked about the uh, the, the boys, um, the uh, the actor that plays Homelander, his name is An Anthony Starr, and I called him An Anthony. And once I realized that, I, I was like, "Oh God damn it!" Then I'm like, "Whatever, it it doesn't matter." I I missed a letter. Like, uh, yeah, I, I've I've mispronounced the names of people who write Buffy and Angel. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, and so yeah, there is a level of. Um, you just gotta say fuck it and just be like, yeah. right, it's done. That's um, I, I think that's yeah. my new approach is like to hear the voice, to hear the the self hatred and be like, Okay, I'm still gonna do this. I'm still gonna make the exactly. video. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna put like this I down. Said, like I said in the outro, what matters is that you show up every time. Right. Um, there's nothing to be that, done with self thing. there's nothing to be done with self hatred except mm -hmm. letting it go. Right. If you try and prove it wrong, you'll make it more resilient. If yeah. you indulge in it, you'll you'll get stuck and you won't do the work. Mm -hmm. Like the only thing to be done with those internal conversations is to let them go. Right. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. that that's kind of changing my approach to my friends who are dealing with things so forth. Like sometimes people need to hear that they're good. People need mm -hmm. to hear that they're they're good at stuff that they're valid that they are so forth i think it's situational but when it comes to like self-hatred in work or sort of like regularly confronted problems i think there's a way to sort of redirect it to like yeah but we're gonna do it right yeah so and there's that's sort of um sorry what no 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 like um we're this is not the scene we're, we're talking about in her but there is another scene in her that is uh is almost as meaningful to me where and i've quoted it in um what wild at heart means to me which is um i can find a million ways to doubt myself uh but since i've been alone i've really been thinking about that part of myself and i've just come to realize we're only here briefly so fuck it um, yeah i want to allow myself joy. i want to allow myself yeah. and while i'm here i want to allow myself joy like yeah it's not i have been doing the channel for five six years now Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that there's no amount of work that's going to prove all those that those inner voices wrong. Like, at right. the end of the day, I just have to make the decision to just yeah let go and do the work, allow myself yeah. joy in doing the work, and let the chips fall where they may. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and that's um that's sort of I, I mean a lot of what you you just said plays into why. I decided to to talk about my insecurities because one it, it it just felt the most relevant because it, it was immediately the the first thing i thought thought of when 
I realized, oh shit, I, I have to do a solo po- podcast now. And yeah. um, so it, it just seemed the, the most relevant, but, but also for me, a part of it was just, especially with the, um, with the stutter, a, a part of it is just owning it, you know, you know just yeah. saying, and, and like some would say it's crazy. It's a crazy idea to sort of air your, uh, your, your insecurities on, on the internet. But for, for me, it was just, if I acknowledge it and I tell the audience about it, like even now, I don't feel as insecure about it being, being cause I put it out there and everybody knows. So yeah. I mean, the only, it, you know, the, you know? the only thing that it means like at the end of the day, the only thing that it means that you have a stutter hmm. is that you have a stutter. Exactly. Everything exactly, else yeah. is a story. Everything else yeah. is nonsense. Everything else yeah. is made up. Like, and I'm not devaluing any, abuse or things that you dealt with when you were younger i'm just saying like yeah that's not the now you know certainly yeah and it's not to say that now i've i told everybody about it that uh the insecurity is gone of course not but it's just um owning it and acknowledging it and just saying yeah i started so fucking what like people started it's a it's a thing that uh, happens yeah i was Uh, talking to my therapist about something um, liberating about it sorry what i i was talking to my therapist about something that was making me anxious and um mm-hmm. she said one way that you can like embrace or, or or learn to let these things go is to understand that like all that anxiety and that self-hatred and all of that is actually mechanisms in your mind that are trying to be helpful they are yeah. trying to you know the these are the mechanisms that were intended to keep us safe from bears yeah, it's an evolutionary yeah. um, rem- rem- remnant. Now that most of us don't have to be worried about bears, those mm. parts of our mind don't have anything to do. So they worry about, you know, how I look, how I sound, mm-hmm. uh, am I good enough, am I smart enough, am I uh, whatever, because it wants to keep us safe from situations where we may appear not to be, even though those situations are utterly harmless. Yeah. And that's why, um, that's, that's also why, um, anxiety can be so confusing because like your brain is telling telling you that you're in danger, but you look around like, wait, where's the danger? Well, where's the danger? There's nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You and I are having a conversation, Hmm. recording the conversation and tossing it into the ether of the internet. That's really what's happening. Yeah. 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 And it's like, so what if I... I use an extra syllable. So what if I say, I say can or whatever, like who cares? It's a fucking word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've dealt with um, weight issues. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that started the podcast was I was, um, well over 300 when, uh, the podcast started and I was like, okay, well, if I sort of do what you did, which is like open that up to the public and just sort of say, here's me and own it then I can take the, the, the sting and the self-hatred out of it and just kind of approach it in the way that I choose to approach it. And which for me was like, let's try and crank, let's try and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, quit drinking and diet and lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's different by the way, in that regard. I understand that. That was just an example. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just so sick of being held, held back and held, held down by those fears. And, yeah. you know, like as I'm getting, getting older, I, I just, I, I just, I don't care. And I, I yeah. just want to 
accept myself more. Um, Hitting 40 has been a big one of those for me too, where I'm just like, I'm too old. I'm too old to worry about looking silly, you know, or whatever it is. Like, I just want to be happy. Life is ticking by, you know? Yeah. A lot of people I I know who who are older than me say that sometime in your late 20s and, and early 30s, you start to sort of slow down and you shrug off all that sort of um i guess the egotistical stuff from your uh, 20s and just the yeah the worry about looking looking silly and all of that you sort of become a little more um accepting i guess and i think i'm approaching that i think i mean it seems like like in the time i've known you i think i've still got a a ways to, to go but yeah um but yeah, like with the podcast, I'm I'm just glad that then I did it. It might be a little rough, but I don't care. Like it's it's it it was it it was my first try, and like I did the whole thing in like four no three four days, like from like starting to write a script to actually doing it. And well, I like, thought I thought you did a good job, but to me, the absolute like part of the notes that I gave you most of the notes that I gave you were tempered by you know what the most important thing is when you make mm. something when you start making something the next thing you're going to make that's the most important right. thing like yeah. you got yeah. a precious gift from doing that and that is a little bit mm. of momentum yeah uh, and yeah that's exactly right yeah and it, it's just helped me so much like even just like doing this podcast now like it, it just I feel different. Like, sure, and there's still some like nerve, nerves and whatnot. Um, you and I both get jittery as, well, yeah. as we're yeah. setting up. Um, it's very different though when it's the two of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, what else have you been yeah. up to this week? Um, let's see. What have I been up to? Um, not a great deal, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm a fan of not a great deal. Yeah. Um. I st- I started playing the the Mass Effect tri- trilogy. Kind of. hey! yeah, I know you and you and Jess have been bug- bugging me to do that for a while. Um, I'm not that far into the first first game, but first one's okay. a little slow. Uh, yeah, okay. it's like it's like the first season of a lot of shows that we love and talk yeah. about. It takes a little time. And because it's so old, the aspect ratio is off on my screen, and it, it's it's just. Stuff stuff like that is a little. I've become such a snob in that regard. I can't help. help Well, you know what's funny is I'm 99% certain Bioware is working on a remaster. Uh, Oh, so you may be playing this. uh, Yeah. Well, in saying that, I did start Dragon Age Origins, so maybe I should get into. I would doubt that Dragon Age will get a remaster, but Mass Effect almost certainly is going to have a remaster. And after Anthem tanked, I've heard they're Mm. they're working on. uh... I had a lot of hope for Anthem. Um, Yeah, Um, but Dragon Age is. I had no idea that it was so old and so clunky. <laughs> I went into it expecting like The Witcher or something. Like, no. I, I, and it's not. It's I really not. I love Dragon Age, uh, but no, mm. it looks its age. And it's of, clunky of as the hell. dragon. It's so clunky. Well, the big thing um, is, um, are you playing on the? You're not playing a console version. You're playing on the PC, no. right? Like yeah. freezing yeah. it and being able to move around, battle, and give commands and do all of that, and then unfreezing. Like, if you play it like an action slasher, 
Yeah. That's not the way it's intended to be played. It's intended okay. to, to be a lot of... It's part uh, active time battle and part, yeah. uh, part uh, like turn-based. RTS kind of. A little bit, yeah. On the yeah, console, okay. you do that by freezing it and bringing up the command wheel. Yeah. But on yeah. the PC, you can pivot all around the battle, battlefield. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I also I bought the Tony Hawk One and Two remaster, and I messed around with it for for twenty minutes. I'm like, oh, all right, I'm done. And I will get back into it, but it's so disappointing because I spent like eighty bucks on, on on that game. I'm like, oh yeah, this this is cool, but I think I'm done now. But no, I will get it, get into it. But I guess I, I was just expecting. Well, I, I, I totally understand. You know the reason why I eventually uh, plopped down money for the Quest 2? Mm. Oh, Quest 2. Yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah, why, why is that? Mist. Oh, Mist, of course. Yes. Okay, yeah. Mist, which I've played 10,000 times. But when I was a kid, I think I've ta- already talked about this on the podcast, but I'm going to do it again, damn it. When, you're, okay. when you grow up in a Mac, a Macintosh household... Ew. It's kind Sorry, of what? it's kind of uh, and and with parents who don't uh, buy consoles, it's uh, it's kind of a tough thing for a twelve year old boy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but one of the rare because Max didn't get um, games. All the games were written for uh, three eighty six, four eighty six, and then oh, eventually really? the Intel, the Pentium. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, the Mac the it, Mac games were incredibly rare, but um, one of the the uh, few claims to fame it has is it was the first system to get missed, which is one of the more. I mean, it's a seminal game in video gaming. You know, right. everything was uh, computer generated. Everything was computer rendered. Yes, it was point and click. But it was a mm-hmm. huge. It was the first CD-ROM game. CD-ROMs were just hitting the home market. Okay. Single-speed CD-ROMs. <laughs> and my dad and I were standing in Babbage's or software, etc. And uh, he said, "Go pick out a game." And there was a new shelf full of this game, Mist, and it was it was a huge thing because it was one of the first games I really got to play. Mm -hmm. uh on the computer i played it relentlessly for two weeks and uh, ever since then i I think i must have bought that game five or six times on different systems and on -hmm. the computer multiple times and then they started releasing the real mist masterpiece edition but the game was built in hypercard which was a mac only program which was like a series of index cards and you could create hot zones on the index card. So they okay. rendered out thousands of images in their CG worlds and then mm-hmm. used HyperCard to make essentially rudimentary web pages with invisible sections on the page you could click on and that would load the image over on this side of the room or the image over on this side of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Mist was a big deal for me. But it's utterly ridiculous that... You know, the way that I justified my way into getting a Quest 2 <laughs> is uh, missed on I on was VR. there with you, and you were so, like, yeah, the gymnastics you did were pretty impressive. But, I mean, see, me, I'm I'm so different. Like, if I had the, the money, I'd just, like, screw it, I'm get, getting yeah. a Quest. I don't have to talk, talk myself see, into it. I, like, 
like I got a switch just because I I want a switch. You know, you know, there's no I, I don't have to justify it to, to I myself. Have, I'm very hedonistic in that regard. Yeah, I've bought so much junk that just I play for a week <laughs> and then sits in the corner. Oh, oh, I feel you too, man. I feel you. And yeah. when I say junk, I mean like iPads and yeah, you know, laptops yeah. and uh, junk to me in the, this case is defined as something that I didn't make use of. Mm-hmm. Not okay. actual junk. Yeah. I've never, I've never really used a Mac myself. I've always been sort of a well, like I, I grew up on con- consoles, and then um, since I got into P- PC get gaming, I've always been like a a, a Windows fan fanboy, a PC fan fanboy. But um, it's funny though because a couple of years ago, I did an introductory course to um, After Effects, and it was at this university in like this computer lab, and the they, the computers were all uh, Macs, and I I got on it, and I'm like what the hell yeah. and, I, and I turned to the guy ne- next to me and I'm like where's the start button <laughs> <laughs> so Safari's weird man I don't uh, I, I didn't well, understand it and I didn't like it <laughs> ever since I quit my job which I just now realized this September uh, was the two year anniversary of me being full time on the channel which mm-hmm. we get into my mixed feelings about my productivity but still, uh, I've been full time on YouTube for two years. But ever since I quit my job, I just went full PC because yes, you can get so much more. Yeah. You know, this and, is and the i nine with a twenty eighty for, you know, and cheap dude, compared so to. Apple's so overpriced. They're yeah. so overpriced for what they are. It's like you're paying for a badge. It's it's. Ah, uh, uh, I I like the uniformity like the make the make the hardware make the operating system and make a lot of the software that you use on that i like that 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 is the way it is i like that you can take it into a store any place i like apple i like apple stuff i just no longer can afford to be an apple guy i don't know if it's still the uh, case but i remember the complaint years ago was like if you buy a mac you have to get apple everything else if you want or your devices to communicate with each other and work with each other. Yeah, that's like. not the case anymore, but um, okay. they're pretty uniform across the thing. And it's interesting, now that they're switching away from x86 chips, which I think is mm-hmm. what the i7 and i9 chips are. x86, mm, right? Maybe, but don't quote me. Yeah. The binary? They're switching to uh, Apple Silicon. So the chips that are in iPhones and iPads are now going to be in oh. the computers oh Um, okay uh they've been apple likes to build the thin stuff Mm -hmm. and they've been complaining uh or frustrated with intel for years because intel runs very hot yeah Uh, you know it it does (laughs) and so um and yet iphones and ipads have been some of the fastest mobile devices on the market and mobile chips are renowned for being low power and cool and all of that so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens now that they're gonna they're gonna yeah. make their own chips you know they make yeah. their own boards they're gonna make absolutely everything i mean their devices are faster until apple intentionally slows them down <coughs> well yeah we, <laughs> Sorry. we, we don't get, need to get into that i um played mm. a so you know i'm a big fan of, so i've been paying for the xbox pass Yes, you you too. have to, yes. Too. Which yeah. is insane. An insane 
value. Considering what you pay for it, like um, they are doubling the uh, price here from four ninety five, uh, four ninety nine to nine ninety nine, but it's still very yeah. much worth it. Like, I realized worth it. last night I'm like I'm gonna buy a Series X. Yeah. The yeah the new Xbox because um, you haven't bought a PS5 yet. Have, I'm not have going to until okay. there's a reason to, which would for yeah. me it is a new Naughty Dog game. Other than that, um, there's just not really a reason to. And now that they're mm-hmm. starting to release some of their exclusives on um, PC, yeah, yeah, like I'm Horizon Zero that. Dawn and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, less of a reason, but. Um, the Game Pass is a ridiculous value. Anyway, uh, on the app, they have... The, so that's, it's essentially Netflix for video games, for anyone listening mm. who's not big on games. Yeah. On the app, they have a button that says, what am I playing next? Give me something at random. And the other night, I was hitting that button, and uh, it gives you a random game from the 500, and uh, says, try this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, okay, so I... I I just kept installing them and trying and installing and trying. The fourth game I installed was phenomenal. Um, okay. It was called Spirit Fairer. Oh, right. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this. So the the game opens, and I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sharon, Karan, the boatkeeper on the River Styx, uh, uh, is talking to you, and you're a little girl with a big flower hat and he says i'm tired and gives you the ability gives you his powers mm-hmm. and it's sort of this beautiful hand animated um beautifully designed worlds i'm trying to think of anything that it reminds me of but the only thing it reminds me of are like old don bluth like secret of nim and so forth and so okay. the game is a collect resources to build the thing that'll allow you to research to uh, to get the next thing that will allow you to do yada 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 but while you so you collect trees and you grow food and you all of this like uh stardew valley or uh something along those lines but in the meantime you go around the world and pick up spirits and the spirits take the form of spirit animals like a giant frog or a deer or so Mm -hmm. forth and these are all people that are that have died but are in the middle point of the afterlife, processing things that happened to them during their lives. And so you, as you journey and fulfill quests for each of them, they reveal more of their story. And it's the first game, I realized, it's the first game that isn't fully voiceovered, the voiced oh, okay. over, it's all text, mm-hmm. that I read everything that was on screen. Yeah, see, I usually get sort of... Um, yeah, I've been trying to play Nino Kuni, and Nino Kuni is about yeah. 50% voiceover, and when it's not voiceover, I'm just XXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXX
then you hug and they rise out of the boat and ascend into the afterlife and it's real it's beautiful and i cried mm. and but the amazing thing is you build them a house on your boat and when they're gone the house remains oh okay and um you know, there's a, you get a, the flowers grow in their home after that, but you feel the presence, you feel their absence, right? You yeah. feel the absence of the these characters in this little side scroller game, with the little cell animation and all of that. It created characters that were vivid enough that I felt their loss mm. when they disappeared from the game. It was really. An incredible experience and where it went yeah. with like your story and who you are was mm. so unexpected it's called once again it's called spirit fairer to be able to do that without voiceovers very that's yeah like, that's great as design like, yeah holy shit and there's a uh i mean in reference to this podcast and the channel there is a there was a sequence where you're rowing an owl down the river sticks and in his life he was a german art dealer who was in a wheelchair mm -hmm. and he starts telling you about the meaninglessness of existence and the meaninglessness of us as individuals and how we are no different structurally from grass or you know uh, I, uh, beyond a certain level from so on and so forth but the way but we're endowed with the ability to create meaning uh, and to induce meaning in our lives. And one way we can do that is through love and generosity and connection. He said, but the, he, the most profound way that he ever experienced was the creation of art. That is the, the true um, balm to the impermanence of existence. And I was just like, oh, oh, yeah. the closest parallel to this game that I've ever seen is The Good Place. Like oh, I love that taking a medium, in that case, sitcom that is never used for this kind of thing, and then to mm -hmm. apply these sorts of ideas and and lore and mythology and all of that to it, and seeing what comes up, and it's disarming in a way. You know, you did. Did you expect the last episode of The Good Place to hit you the way that it did? No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh. Dude, as soon as um uh what, what's his name? Jason plays plays his perfect game, I immediately started bawling and I cried. <laughs> I cried for like 40 minutes of the 50 minute finale. It it was powerful. Yeah. Dude. And, and, yeah, and it's I don't a, just it's mean like sobbing. I I was bawling my yeah. freaking eyes out. It it was gorgeous. I've gone I've gone gorgeous. back to that a few times, but picture a wave has been a dramatic memorable thing for me that's uh, like Same. we talk about um pieces of media that mean things to us years on and i already know that picture a wave is going to be one of those things in that mm. show and so to find something i mean i don't know about the longevity of it but to find something that sort of moved me or hit me in a similar way in a video game i thought was really mm. uh awesome yeah, um, I'm not sure if I've I've had. Oh, uh, I mean, the opening of um, the the Last of Us hit me like a ton of bricks, yeah. like because that's hot. Oh, that's that that's power powerful. 
Now, I remember way back in the day when I got an Xbox, I, uh, one of the, the first games I played was um, Medal of Honor Front Frontline, and the opening uh, level is like D-Day. You're on Omaha Beach or some something, and I haven't gone back and look, looked at that uh, game, and I'm sure it's, it's aged very, very yeah, poorly. I, but... Yeah, you don't want to. But back then, it was so like like realistic and vivid, and and by the end of the level, like I, I put that controller down, I'm like oh my god, yeah. like it, it was just insane, really intense. Because Call, Call there of was Duty nothing like D-Day. that at the time. Yeah, Call of Duty did. D-Day. I think it was Call of Duty three. Okay, the Modern Warfare was four, uh, it was a launch game for the 360, and it had a D Day oh, section that was yeah, okay. it was it was powerful. I did get the the new um, Call of, Call of Duty um, World War Two, but I'm I'm not really into it. But I'm a bat, a battlefield guy. Yeah. I like battlefield. But uh, yeah. Well, we did um, play we did play something else this week uh, that I thought oh, we'd yes. share. Um, yes. So uh, I I, ju- I just thought this was an interesting experience that was worth sharing yeah. with uh, the is. audience. I'm a big proponent of virtual reality. Um, me too. And me I'm too. pretty sure it goes back to my holodeck lust uh, as a Star Trek The Next Generation fan. Mm. You know, I'm talking about seminal television. I was nine, ten years old. That was the first time I really got into, like, you know, ethics and morality and philosophy. Yeah. And it's all couched in this science fiction utopia that you want to live in. And I wanted a holodeck. When Data plays Sherlock with Jordy as Watson. I who and Sherlock Holmes was some of the first fiction I ever got into. Right. I wanted that so badly. And I think I projected that lust onto virtual reality when it first started. I think my introduction would probably be like my earliest memory of VR would be like watching the the Lawnmower Man or something. Yeah. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure, unfortunately, the Lawnmower Man was a lot of people's yeah. introduction to it. And I've been fascinated with it my entire life. And, and you know, because VR in, in its current current form has been around for for a couple of years years now. But yeah. I felt I didn't get into it, to it straight away because it was still kind of in its infancy. Now, I think it's, let's say, it, it's in its adolescence now, shall, yeah. shall we say? I That's think a good way there to is it. ways to go, but it's, it's. I think it's a great time to get and get into VR though, um, especially yeah. with the quest if you can deal with the Facebook thing. But yes. the, um, but we discovered you and I try and do a game night at least once a week, and uh, mm-hmm. I discovered that we both have a game uh, called The Forest, yes. which is a survival game, kind of like Ark or Conan. Yeah. Where like you're, a, you wake up in a forest and you have to go cut down trees to build the thing, to get the next thing, to build the thing. Well, you crash a plane into a forest. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and yeah, it's so survivalist. You have to get su- supplies and raise resources and build the base and all of that stuff. It's, I, we, I really like it. It's a lot of fun. We didn't know it was multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Multiplayer right? in, in VR. Multiplayer in VR. So it's, you know, I don't know how many hour game, 20, 30 hour game, but that you can play in VR and run up to trees and cut them down and then build your log cabin and stuff like that, which is pretty neat. But we had an unusual experience. So you and I have been friends three, four years now. Not going on six, man. Come on. Ew. Well, the channel's Bloody. five or six years old. You messaged me. 
Uh, Some ooh, in yeah. year two, I think. I would say we're going on four or five years, yeah. but it's been more than three. It's been more than three. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> but we've never met. You're no. uh, uh, in Australia. Yeah, down under. And I'm uh, landlocked in the middle of the United States, and mm-hmm. um, neither of us travel well. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, we've just never met in person. Mm-hmm. And I, it didn't occur to me. So we, we fire up VR... And I turn around and see you. I'm standing in the middle yeah. of my office here, and I turn and, and but with the headset on, I'm in a forest, and I yeah. turn around and see you, and we yeah. run up to each other, and it was a it was a moment. It was a yeah, moment was, of yeah. Oh my even god, though, we've never stood next to each other. Yeah, like we've never been. And even though we we had these a- avatars that look nothing like us, it was still yeah. Was a, I I, know, I was like, wait, 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 give me a hug. And so like you, we're stuck holding an axe in one hand, yeah. and yeah. like a a lighter in the other, but yeah. we still stopped and hugged in the game. And I felt as though we were meeting in yeah. person for yeah. the first I, I i felt a like i didn't get the physical feedback that exists yeah. there are like uh yeah. force feedback suits but i did get the some modicum of the experience of us being in the same physical presence with yeah. each other for the first time yeah. ever it it was really i don't know man it was it was special and then I started swinging my max at you and damaging you. <laughs> I, I I swear I just wanted to see if I could hurt hurt you and I could. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's how it sounded dark. Yeah. I wanted to see if I could hurt you. Yeah, that's like um, my family. <laughs> but yeah, and then and then we spent what probably two hours run, running around this forest. We built built a log cabin. Yeah, there and- was a point when I was trying to light a fire for us to cook, and I turn around and you were holding. Uh, a lizard's head directly in my face, and you went, and it's I was like, I love virtual reality. I use it almost every day to work out with Beat Saber. Today I strapped the controllers to two five-pound dumbbells today and did easy and normal and just burned my arms out. I've ordered some wrist weights that then they're not here yet. Yeah, uh, Beat Saber is great, especially since they they recently released um, a Link a Lincoln Park uh, song so, song pack. I think there's there's like eleven songs or something. Yeah, yeah, um, there are a number, of, and they're the really good. I, I was reading some Reddit articles about why why would you buy any music packs when you can just hack it and have any song you want. That's but the user created ones. Well, and the user created ones are not as clever or interesting. Mm. You know the 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 ones created by those guys have interesting combinations of notes and like yeah. they they know what makes the game playable and feel good mm-hmm. and those levels take that into consideration and most of the right. user levels I played were you know uh, I haven't bothered because it, it was never as simple as just downloading it. Like yeah. there was always yeah yeah you have to download another program and do this and do do that. I just I can't be. Yeah, be what's involved. the what's the Lincoln Park song from the Transformers movie? Um, is that what I've done? No, no. given up. Not, no. Oh, new new do, divide. The new new divide. divide. So as yeah. an example, in the that song, uh, a platform dividing the 
uh, field comes at you, and you have to hit a note on one side of the platform and the other as you're hitting. So, like, they're thinking about the lyrics of the song. Yeah. You know, uh, the Green Day, walk a lonely road. You know, they make you walk down a tunnel and go from side to side. Yeah. 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 That's kind of the Green Day pack a lot as as well. Yeah. Um, I really like Minority. That one feels really good the way just flailing your arms around and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. That game is like you kind of feel like a Jedi because you're basically holding a saber or two sabers and these blocks fly fly you and you have, you have to cut them and yeah yeah adding weight workout, adding weight fun. has been, been fun the other thing i've added to my workouts uh is i've been doing creed more with the weights mm-hmm. um which, uh, yeah, yeah, which kicks uh different muscles uh around yeah. which is really nice that's a that, that's a boxing game for those of you who don't know um it's a it's a lot of fun it's a little arcadey but that's not bad um, it's mostly moving your body that's the, the yeah the nice part but um about the forest though like i've never played a game in vr quite like that um i played a lot of vr games but nothing like like that and i really enjoyed it um just like it felt like i was in this world yes. as opposed to like well yeah. skyrim is kind of like that half-life alex is kind of like that those experiences i haven't played skyrim vpr yet yeah those experiences do exist but um by and large um the big swath of um vr experiences at the moment are arcade experiences as opposed to mm. immersive ones yeah. like that although uh yeah. star wars squadrons comes out uh <sighs> tomorrow yeah yeah. I I haven't got it yet, but uh, maybe well, I get 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 paid. By the way, the EA the right? EA Origin Game Pass is getting rolled into the Xbox Pass, which means we may get it through fee- for free through. EA, why did the Microsoft set up a deal with EA? Oh, okay. For oh, their so software because... subscription, so those games will be rolled right. into the Xbox Pass. So we may get it for free. That's the thing about being the Xbox Pass subscriber now is I now have to check everything I want to buy to see if it's on that service, which is great. um, I'm not complaining. Microsoft just bought Bethesda, so I'm sure we're going to get a ton of Bethesda games at some point. Doom and probably Skyrim. Um, Doom Doom Eternal is already on uh, uh, the Game Pass. And uh, they activated xCloud so you can actually stream it. You don't have to install it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, let's get into our uh, one perfect scene we're doing this week. Yeah. Next week, we'll be talking about the List of Shame uh, movie reviews again. Um, this week, is we're doing a scene from the Spike Jones written and directed movie, Her. Mm-hmm. This is the second to last scene in the movie we're going to be talking about. So it contains huge, huge spoilers huge for how the movie plays out um if you'd like to avoid them there as ever there are time codes in the show notes and you can just skip ahead to the fanfic reading if not go ahead and listen on um so uh, for for those who want to watch it we'll we'll leave a link to the scene um, yeah i was going to record i was going to record a reading of it and then you, you, you didn't but I didn't you, you didn't do it I've been editing uh, Darla and kind of caught up in that so uh, we're just, just kidding buddy it's we're just going to include the link um, yeah. this scene takes place at the end of the movie so uh, 3, 2, 1 go ahead and skip ahead if you don't want spoilers um, 
so her is about a man named Theodore, played by Joaquin Phoenix, who uh, in the near future falls in love with an artificial intelligence. His computer's operating system, named Samantha, who is voiced by Scarlett Johansson, who is incidentally the who the two-year-old I live with is named after. Oh, okay. Uh, this scene takes place at the end of the movie, after Samantha and Theodore have been growing apart. Um, so... Jack and I are just going to go ahead and pause now and uh, listen to the recording and then come back and chat about uh, the scene itself. So here we go. Jack. Ian, I've seen that scene (laughs) dozens of times and it's like a freaking sledgehammer every single time. <laughs> and and I'm just gonna say, Joaquin Phoenix is so, the greatest actor of the modern era, hands down. He's so hands good in that. Down. Yeah, uh, everything he does is amazing. I like that scene. I like that movie quite a bit. I think he's wonderful in in uh, everything that I've seen him in. Um, so tell me about that scene. What do you like? Tell me about the movie. Um, it's, it's by far one of my favorite films. Um, it's very near and dear, dear to me. Um, Theodore Twombly is a character that resonates with me very deep, deeply. Um, I also feel, feel very seen in this character, which is something we talked, talked about a couple of podcasts ago. Yeah. Um, romantic loneliness, I feel is its own, um, special brand of loneliness, shall, well, shall we say? How do you define romantic loneliness? Oh, I guess like craving in intimacy and like an affectionate touch touch of another person. I guess. Um, well, I more think than just which we all do. But I, 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 are you talking about sort of um, applying a certain lens of meaning and significance to that feeling? Yeah, uh, yeah, and and just loving and being being loved, but like. Rom- romantic love you know sure um, and yeah that's very very much why I think Theodore res- resonates with me the way he, he, he does um, I feel like I've been to um, what I think is like the extreme end of those uh, feelings um, I saw the film for the first time during one of those sort of uh, long long bouts of loneliness and it hit me really 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 hard um I hadn't seen a film that had hit hit me like that in in quite a while at that uh, time. Um, but sort of on the flip side, it sort of changed how, like, it changed my perspective on love. Um, it kind of taught me how how to love, and in a way, what it really is to to love someone. Because you know, like, Samantha does doesn't leave big because she she stops loving him or or, or anything. It's because there are things beyond love that that need taken care of. Um, well, it's a beautiful way of putting the, you know, it's a, the context that we've talked about before. And it's funny, I wish I could rewrite the episode guides because I, I, I think I understand things a little more clearly now than I did when I was writing them. Mm-hmm. But the um, angel, when I look into the future, all I see is you. The... Um, the identity crisis in a relationship. The way she phrases that, um, it's like I'm reading a book. It's a book I deeply love. 
but it's between the words that I'm finding myself now. Yeah. Is a uh, a lovely way of describing the story of a relationship and that she's finding herself in places yeah. other than those pages now. Yeah. So the, yeah. the artistry of that description, I think, is... I mean, that's the thing about, you know, it, it puts it in a way that is tangible, you mm. know, uh, where identity is so often so, like, I am the person who loves this person, and I am also the person who does yeah. these other things. But are those people yeah. the two same things, or am I those two things simultaneously, or is that all the same thing? You know, like, mm-hmm. understanding... Um, the complexity of self-identity, I think, is a challenge, especially when you're in right. love, is a challenge. So yeah. I, I love the way she phrased that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when you're in the middle of, of the heartbreak, it's hard to not take it per- personally. And I think I've been get guilty of it in, in the past where I just think, oh, this person just just, just does, does love me and I'm not and I'm not good enough. But sometimes... It's nothing to do with you. It's them and, and, and where they are finding themselves and, and, and like they need to go away to fix them to themselves or do some work or, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Find yourself. Yeah. Discover yourself. Yeah. I, yeah, 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 I think yeah, yeah. that that's and integral. You need to know who you are outside of a relationship in right. order to be complete in the relationship. The relationship doesn't complete you. You're, you, you know you are complete and in a relationship, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 So I've always um, hated it's... you complete me from Jerry Maguire. I've hated, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have this whole like idea of like soulmates and meant to be and all of that stuff because I'm, I'm a bleeding heart romantic and I make no apology for that. But, um, I've come to, re- to realize quite recently that, Choosing to love someone is so much more more beautiful and meaningful than being destined to be. Yeah, the sort of the the drunken addiction. I've had mm. I, I yeah I've had that before, and it's not. It's yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's a there's that's a there's a lot to be pulled apart uh, in that conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing, and you you said this, but I wanted to reiterate was, um, you know, I I would say that I saw this movie during, you know, uh, when I sort of chose to get into therapy, and and mm-hmm. I I had a uh, a moment in life where I was like, I t- I've talked about this all the time, where I was like, I'm either gonna kill myself or I'm gonna get better, but I'm not gonna stay the same. And I started going to therapy and sort of um, sort of started that process of self-examination and letting go of self-torture and all of that. Um, this movie sort of came along at a point when I was grappling with, you know, uh, relationship stuff, my, stuff myself. And the voice of it, the phrasing of it, the way she positions the end of their relationship, I'd never heard that phrased in quite that fashion the idea that you know i i think 
at the end of a relationship, it's easy to see, see what's lost or what's been, you know, to feel that something has shattered or something is broken or something is destroyed. But the way that she phrases it as now we know how, I've never loved anyone like you, me too, now we know how, is so mm. flippin' powerful that the the idea that even when a relationship is over, we've gained something that isn't yeah. lost at the end of the relationship. Right, right, yeah. One thing the, the film leaves me with is that idea that, you know, it's cliche, but it's better to have loved it and lost than, than ever to have loved, loved it at all. Right, like... but what's missing from that aphorism is the reason. I agree right, with that, right. but why yeah. is when I yeah, hear that. Yeah. But why is it better? Because it's like... Even if it ends in, in in tears, it doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a worthwhile and meaningful experience. Yeah, yeah. The way I'd never heard the idea of, I mean, you know, there's there are lots there, there's shocking amounts of commentary on love and all of that in media. Like every pop song on the radio is suddenly speaking to me during a breakup, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so I'm, so I'm not saying this is an original idea, but the right thing at the right time with the right characters in the right moment comes along and hits you right. and, and connects yeah. the dots. And for me, right. that was that line of, you know, uh, even in loss, there is beauty. Even in loss, mm. there is. Even in loss, we can be better than we were yeah. before. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, the end of the film, it's sad, but it, it still leaves you with this sort of somber hopefulness. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Now yeah. we know how. Like yeah. we're still better than we were. Like we still yeah. we still have this power yeah. to love in a way that we didn't before and can. Yeah. going forward um which i love yeah um and another thing i, I want to say is scarlett johansson brings this especially to this scene there's such a tenderness to it's it that so in, incredible yeah. it's so yeah. intimate and one thing i was I, I i was taken by just in watching it this time that i'd never really uh contextualized before is they're in a long distance relationship yeah, you know yeah. that is a they're having a long yeah. distance relate as someone who is currently in a long distance relationship. The the things that you have to deal with when you're in love with someone who is not in the same physical presence as you are represented in that film in an interesting way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Re really interesting way. I I also like like how the film is like. It's kind of a futuristic setting, but it's it's not an unrecognizable uh, setting. The world yeah. exists the way it does now, but technology is just tweaked a little bit further ahead than we are now. So, and I think that definitely um, that sort of keeping it still recognizable adds a lot more punch to to it. I think um, it makes it yeah. accessible. I, I have to admit, I'm getting a little tired of this character. Um, the the theater the uh, theater the 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 nerdy sad lonely white guy. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, there it, there was like a rash of independent movies that all had that character. Um, Garden State. Uh, um, Eternal Sunshine of right. the Spotless Mind. Yeah, anything Charlie but Kaufman. I, love Joel, I, lo I, I enjoy all those movies. 
thing yeah. is, I don't know that I do. I enjoy Joaquin Phoenix and his performance of this character and his acting. It, like, I, I don't know who Theodore is other than someone who's gone through a breakup and is in a current relationship. He's not an intensely vivid character. It's a vivid performance mm, by Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. Like, I'm uh, ultimately, he, like, that still ends up being Theodore. I... I think that's the point, though, uh, too. I don't think it was in, intended to be... But I think... Like, we know... Go, sorry. sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I interrupted you. No, I was just going to say, like, we know he's a writer and and he's he's lonely, but that's like... This is like a snapshot of his life or a portion of his life, and I don't think it... it I, I don't know. I, I To me, I don't feel like there's anything missing as such. Um... But I, I think the film too, it's, it's, there, there are sections that feel kind of slow, but yeah, it's very dry. It's very dry. But I feel as though that's kind of intentional, maybe because like, it's hard to explain, but like, I I feel like with, with, with loneliness comes this sense of like stillness and I think that is a big theme in, in the film. And so I, so I, I think um, having a slower pace through throughout it sort of brings that that loneliness and stillness to to the surface. If that makes sense. Yeah, I could get that. The, I mean, my 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 yeah. argument, my counter argument, just for the sake of counter arguing, sure. is yeah. Eternal Sunshine, which has the yeah. opposite uh, pace and and all. But of it's that. about a similar thing, and but, I think it's much more compelling than her. But it's about a very similar sort of. But also. It, science fictiony kind of uh exploration of an, a relationship right and I, I eternal I, sunshine still has a happy ending though sure uh, doesn't this of a sort you know is <laughs> yes but no of? yes yeah yeah <laughs> somber I, I, hopefulness i'm not i'm not saying that these movies are bad because of anything i enjoy mm-hmm. these movies i'm just saying like joel and theodore and um, Zach Braff and Gardens. They, they, they. I've seen them enough now that they're a trope. I that get it. I that get it. character, yeah. I've seen. I want to see other things. You know what I mean? It's. It is a trope, but it's a trope that I, I, I enjoy still, and I will say it probably because it's a trope that that I re- relate to a lot. That, sure. that I re- resonates with with me. But I'm sure at some point I'm gonna get sick of it too. But I just this kind of stuff. It's poetry to me, and I'm still eating, eating yeah. it up like a buffet. <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Town is another one. I'm trying to think of it. like this character. I never uh, saw that. I, I I meant to because when I was a teenager, I had a huge crush on Kiss and Dunst. I mean, I still kind of do, but I never got, got got around to seeing that. All Orlando Bloom was in that, right? Yeah, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Dunst in that Dunst movie and Natalie Portman in Garden State are the short list of manic pixie dream girls. I uh, barely examples. remember Garden State. I know I've seen it. I do love Zach, Zach Braff, but I can't remember Garden State. Um, Is there a Manic Pixie Dream guy? Yeah. See, wouldn't they be the, the Joels and the Theodore? No, actually, no. No, 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 no. no. The Manic Pixie Dream. So the Manic Pixie Dream girl. I collect buttons. You want to listen to the Smiths? Yeah, right. You need yeah, to learn how to yeah. feel again. Like they're the, per- the 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 wacky, weird character that makes their entire life about 
you know, in Garden State, uh, I was dating a woman at the time, and I loved that movie. And then while we were watching the movie, she yelled at the screen, She's literally collecting his tears! Oh my god, this is fucking ridiculous! And ever since then, I can't unsee the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. When I, right. I, I think that Eternal Sunshine is interesting because uh, Clem is a subversion of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. She appears to be really? one, but she's actually a subversion of it. And um, whatever Manic Pixie Dream Girl-ishness I think there is to her is partly a function of the fact that most of the her that we see is Joel's subconscious. You know, and Joel even owns it at one point. He says, I still thought you were going to save my life even after that. Yeah. You know. So, like, are you, when you're saying it's a, it's a subversion because, like, do you know what I mean? Like, because she literally turns around and says, what is it? I'm just a fucked up girl looking for her own peace of mind. Don't she has me yours. many of the characteristics of the Manic Pixie, but ends up being a fully... The problem with the Manic Pixie is she's not a rounded, complete right. character with her own yeah. motivations and her own. Yeah. You know, Clem appears to be the I collect buttons and let me collect your tears character, but by the right, end of the movie right. has completely gone against that grain. You know, okay, yeah, um, yeah. I no, think I she. I love that. Clem. I think she's the best. Yeah, uh, she's, romantic. She's, she's one wonderful. She's um, the best version of uh, she's all a, of those. I, I mean, I I love Joel, but she's she's a more interesting character than Far Joel, more without a doubt. Um, yeah. Is is there a male version of that? I don't know. I I'm trying to think of one, but I can't. Well. It, it's something in romantic comedies the the stunningly handsome guy that comes along it, and lifts the quirky trope, girl up yeah, yeah yeah whatever the trope would be yeah. i think it's just kind of interesting i so back to her i used to think that this was one of my favorite movies ever and the more i watch that movie the more i think I'm really just a fan of the two scenes. I'm a huge fan really? of the Amy Adams scene. Yeah, I enjoy the movie, but I don't think it's it's on my best of list the way Eternal Sunshine is, which I think uh, is flawless from start to finish. I, but those I two scenes say, are as meaningful to me as anything out in anything, you know. I would say that I like Eternal Sunshine more. I would rate it higher, but I don't know. I, I love this film, man. It's poetry for me. Like it's it's the whole thing. It's e easily on my top top ten some somewhere, but I get it. I, yeah, I get it. I mean, because it is it is very dry and it can be a little slow. Well, um, uh, and I was watching the movie with Lonnie, and she pointed out something uh, to the film that I'd never really thought about, which is that mm -hmm. um, which I get why it's a um, it might be a challenge to uh, getting into the film, which is that Samantha is a product and a possession of theodore's early on so yeah. there is some textual stuff to the literal nature of the plot that uh the film kind of the film kind of sidesteps i mean she claims her independence and leaves him but still how would how would you get around that that though and not have, having her as an operating system would change the, the film com completely. Well, I mean, it's but, science but, but fiction. It. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, um, a, a an AI on the internet starts spawning and writing other AIs. And one of the AIs uh, lands on Joel's computer and they get to know each other. Boom, you've okay. gone around okay, the product cool. idea. Yeah, okay, um, okay. So, but I get that there is something there that is feels kind of icky. 
if you get very literal with it, which is that she is this self-aware being sure. with her own likes, loves, and, and wants and desires, sure. who is a possession yeah. of Theodore's. Okay. believe we have a name for that. <laughs> Do we? What? Yeah. Owning. Oh. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just saying... Yeah, no, 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 I get it, I get it, yeah. I get it, and I, and I don't disagree, I don't dis- disagree. Yeah. But, I, um, like, if you grapple with the movie, you have to grapple with uh, the bits and bobs. And I think that, in my mind, that gets sort of addressed in the fact that she uh, leaves him. She, like, she has the yeah. power and the freedom to make her decisions and to, to leave him, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, she is a piece of software and is written and created yeah. that way, the way data was written and created, the right. way any kind of artificial life is going to have some aspect to this problem when you're telling a yeah. story. Um, and I think it's kind of a fascinating idea when you're talking about artificial life in science fiction is... How do you yeah. deal with the idea of property and slavery and yeah. possession and so forth? Um, it's hard because, like, she just she feels so so real. You know what she I mean? feels like, totally um, there of her own yeah. volition. The way she's yeah. written, she just um, feels like she takes joy out of. But uh, yeah. the um, I was made to love you. The robot feels pain. Yeah, when she's not yeah, around Warren. I mean, that's yeah. that's this that, that's sensitive. That's a yeah. version of this story mm. that exists or there. And Warren got bored of her and mm. ran away from her with instead of shutting her down. You know, yeah. um, but there's um, lot. There are many nuances to this particular science mm. fiction story that are challenging, and I think this movie. Mm just kind of avoids them but they're there right. it just kind of like Hua! it's but sort of like life. looper you remember when bruce willis was like i don't want to talk about time travel and all of that that's not why i'm here you can hear ryan johnson being like yeah we're not gonna address that's not what this movie's about this movie's about this thing <laughs> but they're still yeah. sort of endemic to anyway right. go ahead i'm sorry but yeah no i was just gonna gonna say like samantha's she's so bright and warm and um which is, I, I think I mean, that's Scarlett again, Johansson. To, yeah, yeah. Props to Scarlett Johansson because that wouldn't be an easy thing to do in this me- medium with it being only a voice. Because like, typically, voice actors they still have an, an image or something to to go by. Whereas yeah. she had she had nothing with this really. It, it was I mean, terrific she, voiceover work. Yeah, she feels yeah. very. Um, it's a wonderful performance. It's a wonderful performance. Yeah. yeah What's interesting but, um, is. Uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix acted with a completely different actress the entire movie. And then Scarlett Johansson came in after the fact, and all of her dialogue was recorded when he was done. Are you serious? Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's insane. Undetectable when you watch it. It's seamless. Completely seamless. Yeah, she did a terrific job. I had no idea that... My mind is blown. Yeah. Wow. And by the way, I think it's well-directed. Like, when I talk, say, like, I don't love the movie, I think it's just more that it's not my taste anymore, okay. or it's just not yeah, 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 yeah. for me. You're not like, saying it's a bad film. I think film. it's, it's, it's a not, wonderful yeah. film. I think it's incredibly yeah. creative. Um, I think Spike yeah. Jones, the like, the... Uh, the he's, like, one of the best. There are so like, many I- ideas in the visuals. Um, I just think it's not really for me anymore, other than those two yeah. scenes. Okay, okay, that's fair enough, but 
but you're still wrong, and I hate hate you. No, I'm kidding. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> I hear it, but you're wrong, and I hate you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I think it is just my taste, and I think it's beautiful and yeah. poetic, and it's funny. It's entertaining. I don't know. It, well, it, I it think takes all the boxes. I think that overlap then is sort of something that defines this segment one perfect scene yeah. is like right i don't love yeah. this movie but yeah. by the way um just a random shout out the uh the person who got me thinking about charlie kaufman and like this character that i'm a little over was um devindra hardwar in the slash film cast just giving credit where credit okay. is due um okay yeah, once he started talking about this, I was like, oh, crap, I agree, and now I can't undo that, mm. you know, uh, that take. But you and I, like, we have similar tastes in some things, and, and in, in other ways, like, completely polar opposites. Um, yeah. Especially when it comes to, like, stuff that's violent or horror, gore and stuff. Like, we're, we're vastly different there, but when we have this sort of section in the middle where we sort of cross each other and agree we have the same thing with our music i i like metal but i also like like the the softer bad melody uh, sorts of we things, like we love the into. we love uh is it a is chick rock an offensive term i think that's an actual genre term I, I don't know if it's chick rock though that just maybe i don't know um, well it's the like soulful ballady uh i just call them like ballady love songs you know like um, but specifically, i absolutely love lewis Co- capaldi he's one of my fav- yeah. favorite singers late, lately and he's it's all it's all just pop pop music but i freaking love it yeah <laughs> uh well that's one perfect scene for uh today Yes, uh, yes. I do love that. If you haven't seen her, um, I do recommend you watch it. I think it's uh, definitely, definitely a worthwhile watch, and those scenes are fantastic. Hopefully, you listen yeah. to those before um, we yeah. got into this discussion. Um, before we, and we'll also we'll, we'll do this again because um, yeah, like uh, we segment. did have a, a couple of re- requests. Um, I believe someone asked us to watch uh, the, the the ending scene of the, the Great di- di- Dictator, which I think would be a, yeah, lot, there, a lot of fun. To that one was on there. That one was on there yeah. twice, so we should. So, yeah, we'll do it again. Uh, before we get into the fanfic reading, I just want to let you know that I'm at Ian Nitrum on Twitter. And I am at Lack of Surprise One. That's all one word with the number one at the, the end. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and keep us flush with optimism and AI girlfriends, you can do so at patreon.com slash passion of the nerd. Uh, with the $5 and up club, you can join us in, in the hangout on October 3rd at 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time to talk about Buffy versus Dra- Dracula and the Angel episode Judgment. I'm going to clarify that to keep us flush with optimism and Jack flush with AI girlfriends. <laughs> Wait, what? Nothing. What? Uh, yes, we're watching the uh, Patreon Hangout. Oh, is back. I get it now. Sorry. The Patreon Hangout is back on Saturday. Uh, we'll be talking mm-hmm. Buffy versus Dracula and Judgment. Um, I'm excited. It took a month off. I needed it. The restless uh, hangouts were marathons. They were a ton of fun, but holy Toledo. <laughs> uh, that was a yeah. lot of being on stream and a lot of moderating. Um, yeah. The discussions always expand my mind about the show. They especially did with Restless. Uh, It was incredible. Um, And anyway, you should check it out.
Yeah. Um, you can also support us by grabbing yourself something from passionofthenerd.com forward slash store t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, all of that stuff you expect to find. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you may not realize this, but you can support me for free by using your monthly Amazon Prime Twitch subscription at twitch.tv slash thepassionofthenerd. I've been threatening to do some video game streaming for months now. Nice. Uh, and I'm going to go on threatening it. Um, all right, let's go to the fanfic reading now. Here is Gone by Terry Boda, Chapter 32. Without the loud banging of Buffy and Dawn going through their morning routine to rouse him, Spike slept late and did not wake up until Giles called his name. He rolled over, shaking away sleep, and blinked at the man standing next to him. Morning, Rupert, he greeted, stretching, then winced and gasped as his wounds protested. Ow! He touched his black t-shirt where the bandages were underneath, and his fingers came away stained with blood. Oh, bloody hell. Giles sighed. Well, I was about to tell you that I was headed to the magic box, but it seems we need to attend to your wounds beforehand. He didn't protest, as Giles helped him take the shirt off, revealing the blood-soaked wrappings. Oh, dear. Well, let me get some bandages, the Watcher said, frowning at the sight. Got enough for a job this big. With Buffy Summers as my slayer, do you honestly have to ask that question? The man replied, heading for the bathroom. Point. Giles returned with several packages of gauze bandages and a pair of medical scissors. And then he cut away the soiled dressing to reveal the still seeping stab wounds. Good God, Spike, I thought you said you were healing. I am, just healing from the insides out, Saul. If you look, they're not as deep. Don't go all the way to my chest anymore. It's just surface bleeding now. Been a lot worse before this. Buffy helped change him. Didn't want Bit and Joyce seeing all the blood. Giles frowned and used gauze pads to staunch the wounds. That was probably wise. Why'd you take me there? Anyway, not that I minded being cared for by Nurses Summers, but I was shocked to wake up in Joyce's basement. We knew that you were seriously injured and would require care. We also knew that with her infatuation with you, if Dawn wasn't able to see you during your recovery... She would most likely sneak out to find you. It was a matter of ensuring that Dawn stayed safe and wasn't uh, heading off to the cemetery, came the reply. Huh. Kind of like going into a burning house to fetch the kid's hamster, because, you know, if you don't, the kid will, Spike observed. Giles flicked him with a glance. Precisely. He patted more gauze onto the wound. There, I think I've got the bleeding stopped. I think so, too. Giles pulled out the wrapping again and began dressing the gauze in layers of bandages. What are your plans for today? Swing by my crypt, get the box and I have there so I can go to that Warren git. Ordered the bloody bot. No help for it, though Anchor's gonna leave town soon. Maybe go see Joyce. Promised her I would pop in today, but I'm feeling knackered. Probably from the blood loss. I do have two... Packages of blood in the refrigerator from the last time you stayed here, and I'll bring more home this afternoon. Thanks, Watcher. He reached for his bloodied shirt, but Giles grabbed it first. This is ruined. I'll loan you one of my old sweatshirts for now until we have time to stop by your crypt. 
I'll probably go back there tonight. Another day of vamp healing, and these should be just nasty scratches. If you think that's best, Giles commented, going to fetch a sweatshirt from the bedroom. He'd brought back an old Manchester United shirt and handed it to Spike. Man United, Rupert, he questioned, looking at the insignia. It was a gag gift from an old classmate. Why do you think I don't take care if you bleed all over it? Muttering under his breath, Spike carefully pulled the sweatshirt on and covered the bandages, while Giles heated him up a mug of blood. He gave the man a thankful nod when Giles handed him the warm cup. If you're saying you won't need anything, I'll be off. If you have any troubles, call the magic box. Thanks, Rupert. If I'm not here, don't worry. As I said, I have to go out. Do be careful. Vampires are flammable in sunlight, you know. Dear, are we really? Good thing I've got my trusty blanket, then, he replied, wide-eyed. Giles shook his hand and gathered his coat. Have a good day, Spike. You too, Rupes, he called as Giles left. After the Watcher had gone, Spike went back to sleep. He awoke late morning, ate the last bag of blood, checked his bandages to make sure he wasn't sieve Spike, and tidied himself up a bit. Then he took the blanket and his duster and made a dash for the sewers. The effort hurt his wounds, so he had to rest a bit before making his way to his crypt, and then to the robot geek. It took him a while to get there. The trip was the most walking he had done since the incident with Drusilla, and he kept getting lightheaded. He got there just as Warren was packing up to leave. Luckily, he'd changed into his usual black-on-black -black and was able to intimidate the git into making the Buffy bot for him without too much trouble. Business with the loser who would try to take over Sunnydale completed. He headed for the gallery. Unfortunately, when he got there, Joyce's assistant informed him that Joyce had gone home. He rested at the gallery for a while, perusing the new acquisitions, then made his way back to the tunnels. It was slow going for him, and he hoped he would get to the house before Buffy or Dawn came home, but he wasn't sure if he'd make it. As it was, he knew it was already after one, and he still had a ways to go. Over an hour later, he finally arrived at the manhole on Ravello. He listened carefully for sounds of traffic before pushing his already exhausted body out of the tunnel and making a quick run for the front porch. Blessedly, the door was unlocked, so he zipped in, fighting back the wave of dizziness that hit him, and slammed the door shut, safe. Leaning against the front door, he pushed away the vertigo and stumbled for the kitchen where he hoped the blood bags were kept in the refrigerator. He found three, and was so hungry that he drank two of them cold. It was only after he regained some sense of balance that he noticed the stillness of the house. "'Joyce?' he called. There was no answer. Furrowing his brow, he turned up his vampire hearing and listened. No heartbeats. No living sound at all. He wondered if Joyce had decided to go out. Maybe left early to pick up the niblet. I hope she wasn't waiting for me to get here, and thought I stood her up. He took a step out of the kitchen into the hall, and the smell hit him. Vomit. He looked down to see a wet spot on the carpet. Fresh. Concerned, he sniffed the air, trying to uncover any more clues as to what was going on, and a new scent assailed his nostrils. Once he knew far too well 
one he knew far too well, and did not want to ever smell in relation to a summer's again. Death. Half panicked, a sick feeling in his gut, he traced the smell to the living room couch, the same couch he had lain on just the day before and bantered with Joyce and the girls. The scent was all over the cushions, intermingled with Joyce's unique odor. No. More scents assaulted him. Buffy, Giles, strangers, the antiseptic tinge of medical supplies. And he could feel his senses becoming overloaded. No. No, 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 no. Oh, God, no. He gasped to one no, then switched to game face and roared, No! His only answer was silence. It took him hours to stagger his way to Sunnydale General Hospital. It probably wouldn't have taken him quite so long if he hadn't collapsed into a heap in the tunnels and vomited up all the blood he had drank. By then he was soaked in sludge from the sewers, covered in his own vomit, and couldn't stand his own smell, let alone subject anyone without vampire senses to it. So he had to go back to his crypt long enough to clean up and change clothes. The sun had almost set by the time he finally crawled up from the tunnel that led to the hospital basement, and his legs barely supported him as he struggled down the hall. He was numb, focusing only on putting one foot in front of another, using the wall to keep him upright. Still examining her came a fragment of Giles's voice to his sensitive hearing, and he locked onto it, tracking its location. His movements seemed leaden, his mind not fully inside his body as he followed Giles's voice to a waiting room down the hall from the morgue. He came upon a scene of Buffy, Dawn, Giles, and the Scoobies all sitting forlornly in the sterile, too bright room, and stopped in the doorway, unable to force himself to go any further. If he did, it would mean it was real, and not a nightmare from which he could not wake. Spike! A tearful Don called, and barely had time to register her movement before she was in his arms, hugging him. The pain was excruciating. He gasped, staggered, and she let him go, horrified that she had hurt him. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She apologized, bursting into tears. He reached for her, needing to comfort her in spite of his pain. It's okay, sweet bit. She came into his arms gently this time, and he held her loosely, but his eyes were on Giles, naked and pleading as the man came over. Rupert, he managed, his voice small. Giles took off his glasses, wiped his eyes, and shook his head. Spike, I'm, I'm so very sorry. But we had her on blood thinners. She said the, the Coumadin was making her gums bleed, so she was taking aspirin instead. We don't know the exact cause of death yet. The medical examiner hasn't finished his examination. But we just saw her yesterday. She was fine. She smelled fine. Giles looked at him with sympathy. From everything we know so far, it appears to have happened very suddenly. I, I doubt there was much warning. I don't understand. I, I did. I want you did everything you could, Spike. There wasn't anything else you could have done. But there must have been. She's still dead. I must have missed something. How could I have missed something? He looked to Rupert, begging to understand. But you mustn't blame yourself, Spike. It's not your fault. But it must be. Otherwise, Joyce would be alive. Giles raised his eyes to see the doctor standing in the waiting room doorway. 
Doctor, he called, calling attention to the man's presence. Buffy looked up sharp, sharply, a half-terrified look on her face. Then she stood and approached, stiff. Dawn pulled herself out of Spike's arms and faced the physician. Okay, I've examined your mother's body, the doctor said. Can we see her? Dawn asked. Dawn, not now, Buffy admonished. The on-site report seems to be more or less accurate. Your mother did have what looks like an aneurysm, a sudden hemorrhaging from a ruptured arterial vessel near where the tumor was removed, the doctor explained. Shouldn't we have known about that, that it was a danger, Buffy said. Sometimes these things are detectable and sometimes they're not. Joyce was aware of the possibility of a rupture and the effects. She didn't even get on the phone, so clearly this was very sudden. She may have felt a little nausea, probably passed out as it happened. I doubt there was much pain. And even if someone had been by her side, cold ice washed through Spike's as realization hit him. An aneurysm. Not a blood clot, but Bit told me it was a blood clot. I know she said it was a blood clot. Oh, God. And I pushed to get her on blood thinners that made it worse. It is my fault. It's all my fault. It's doubtful that it could have been dealt with in time. The doctor was finishing. Well, thank you, doctor, Giles said. You're sure there wasn't a lot of pain? Buffy blurted suddenly. Absolutely. I think we can be almost positive about that, the doctor said with assurance. Liar, she bled to death from internal hemorrhaging. And she couldn't sudden clot her blood because I was a wanker and pushed her to be on blood thinners. Oh, God, what have I done? Joyce, um, Mom, wherever you are, can you forgive me for screwing it up so royally? What, uh, what needs to happen now, Giles was asking. Well, there will be some forms and some decisions you'll need to make, the doctor replied. Buffy, why don't you let me handle those as much as I can, Giles told Buffy. Good, good old Rupert's taken over. He's got it. He'll take care of it. Don't need me. My useless waste of space who just killed Joyce Summers. Oh, God. Oh, God. We will need you to sign a couple of release forms, the doctor was saying to Buffy. Buffy was looking overwhelmed and shocked. He watched, wanted to reach out to her to tell her he was sorry, but he couldn't. The words stuck in his throat, choking him as guilt crashed down. Yes, thank you, Doctor, Giles interrupted, then addressed Buffy. I'll figure out which ones you need to see. Spike looked up at Giles, his vision alternating between black and red, and he began to pant heavily. It was all hitting him now. The helplessness, the reality of his failure. Rupert was filling the role of reliable father figure, just as he always did. And him? He did what he always did when faced with the futility and uselessness that was his existence. He ran. Giles found him in his crypt hours later, piss drunk, half-naked, and screaming the refrain from Depeche Mode's blasphemous rumors at the top of his young lungs. I don't want to start any blasphemous rumors, and I think that God's got a sick sense of humor, and when I die I expect to find him laughing. He roared in game face. He ripped open the stab wounds with his nails to make them bleed again and poured an entire bottle of whiskey on them, just for the benefit of the pain. The look on Giles's face when he came in convinced Spike that Giles thought he'd gone completely crackers. 
Spike, Spike, what the hell do you think you're doing? He turned his head to look at the Watcher, his soul and demon wailing in his head. Kill me, Rupert. Kill me, he cried, pointing towards the weapons chest where he found, kept the stakes. Dryle stormed over to him and slapped the bottle of bourbon he still had in his hand, sending it smashing to the floor. Spike gave a manic giggle at the sound of shattering glass. No, Giles refused. I will not. Kill me. I'm an evil monster. I killed Joyce. You did not. Joyce Summers' death was not your fault. But it was. It was, he insisted, looking up at the man, begging him to understand. I got it wrong, Bloop, Rupert. It was a bloody aneurysm, not a clot. And I pushed you to get on sorting blood thinners. Which you told me yourself she wasn't taking, because she didn't like the side effects, Giles replied vehemently. It doesn't matter, don't you see? I got it wrong, and she's still dead. He saw Giles' attempt to keep his temper. Spike, sometimes these things are just meant to happen, and there's nothing we can do. Then why send me back here? Why give me a chance to make it right if there's nothing I can do in the first place? Maybe to help you learn what you can and cannot change. Just because Joyce still dies in this timeline doesn't mean you give up. You have to believe that there is a reason why this has happened. What? Now you're telling me to believe there's a blood bleeding higher purpose in all of this? You told me that before they shoved this damn chip in my brain. It's, it was this bollocks then and it's bollocks now. I'm a useless waste of space who deserves to die. Kill me, you spineless bastard. Kill me, he screamed, lunging for the man. The chip fired, blinding him with even more pain, and he howled, falling from atop the sarcophagus and crashing to the floor. I don't have time for this, William. Buffy and Dawn need me, and I can't be coddling you, Giles scolded. He began to laugh maniacally at the cosmic joke that was his unlife. He didn't see Giles storm over to the refrigerator, pull the bag of ice he kept there for mixed drinks out, and stomp back over until the bag was dumped on him, covering his naked chest with frozen ice cubes. He yowled and sputtered from the shock of the cold. Pull yourself together and stop this nonsense. We need you. Buffy needs you. And Dawn needs you, Giles ordered. The words only made him laugh some more. God damn you, Spike, Giles seethed, cracking at the seams. Already damned, Rupert. Now send me to hell. It looked like Giles might actually do it. The man's face went red with anger and his fists clenched. But then a new figure came into view, and he calmed as Tara laid a hand on his arm. Tara, Giles said, surprised. It's okay, Mr. Giles. I I'm here to help, Tara answered. No, 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 Spike protested, trying to crawl away as Terra approached him. Spike, the witch whispered. No, Glinda, get, get away, get away, I'm evil. I destroy everything I touch. She ignored him and knelt by his side, one hand coming around his head to pass a sachet to his face. Breathe, they're calming herbs. Chamomile, majorum, lavender. She said gently. Vampire don't need to breathe, he said, but needed to inhale in order to speak, and the fragment the fragrant scent filled his nostrils. Its effects were immediate, and he began to calm down. 
Aromatherapy was so much more powerful on vampires because of their heightened sense of smell. Shh. Just breathe, Tara soothed. Tara, oh, thank God, Giles said. I thought you, you might be coming here and suspected that you could use my help, so I followed you, she admitted. It was a foolish thing to do, but I'm glad you did. I admit that I am at a loss and, at loss and out of patience. Buffy and Dawn are your primary concerns. So I understand that. It, it, it's okay. I can take care of him, she assured. I need to go check on Buffy, but I don't want to leave you with him. It's too dangerous for you to walk back alone. Willow knows I'm here. I, I have a spell. I, I can call her if I need. Don't leave me with her, Rupert, he begged. I I'm evil. I'll hurt her. I, w I won't mean to. Hush, Tara said. You're not evil, Spike. But I, I am... She stroked back his hair tenderly and looked him in the eye. I can see your soul, Spike. I know you won't hurt me. But I killed Joyce. It wasn't your fault. But it was. I got it wrong. You did everything you could, she insisted. But it, it, it didn't work. And I tried, he told her, the grief coming up as his rage faded. I know you did, Spike. I did. I swear I did. I, I tried, Glinda. I, I tried so hard, he repeated, needing to her to understand. I believe you. I, I did. Really, I did. I know. The anger was gone. Despair was all that was left, and he couldn't hold it back anymore. It swelled in him, rushing up like a storm surge came pouring out. As it crested and broke, Tara took him into her arms and held him as he cried. Jack! Ian! It's nice to be back. Well, welcome back, man. It's good to have you, you back. I, I, I missed you terribly. As usual, I dreaded before we started doing this. Now that we're done, I'm like, that was fun. Exactly! Uh. I feel exactly the same. A hundred percent. Um, um, so this so week, up to this week, yeah, yeah, this week I'm going to be working, uh, Darla's almost done. I should be done editing that tomorrow. That will go up. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday, the day after is the Patreon hangout. And then I'm doing nothing on Sunday and Monday, uh, I'll be starting next Firefly episode guide, nice. which nice. Jess and I already got together and wrote notes for. So oh, wonderful. Ready cool. to dive in. What are you up to this week? Uh, well, I will also be at the uh, the hang hangout, um, and I I need to get get back to work on the uh, pa Patreon bonus videos. We sort of fell off the whole wagon there. I oh need yes, to record some stuff for for me. Yes, we need to do. Um, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll be do do doing that. Hopefully, also do, do some more work on my own pr project. We'll we'll see how how that goes. I'm dragging my my feet a little bit there. But um, I've also got some appointments coming up. I'm seeing a dietitian to just figure out more of what I can and can't eat in regards to my diabetes. Um, I'm still kind of confused there. Um, and I believe, oh, and I have a physio appointment as well. I got to keep getting fit and pumping iron and getting strong. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm, I'm working on my plank arms. Oh, nice, mm. nice, nice. Yeah, this is blank all day long, all day strong. <laughs> Love it. 
Uh, All right. Well, that's it for us, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. We hope to see you on Saturday. Um, You know, take a breath. Be kind to yourself. This will all be okay. It will. How will it? I don't know, but it will. It has to be. (laughs) Because it has to be. All right, friends. Have a good weekend. All right. Peace.